with someone's suicidal tendencies, they're going to cash in. They're going to clock out. They've given up. But God steps in. He intervenes. They've got a reason to celebrate. Amen? When someone has their marriage restored, they've got a reason to celebrate. When someone experiences healing, they've got a reason to celebrate. When someone is set free from bondage and addiction, they have a reason to celebrate. Why should we be critical of that? Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I wanna thank you for joining me for this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. The message you'll be listening to is part of a series that's called, This Is That. In this series, we are taking some common misconceptions within Christianity and bringing clarity to them from God's Word. In this message, we are clarifying some misconceptions concerning praise and worship. I hope you enjoy the message and pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. This is part two of our series, uh, This Is That. And uh, if you missed last week, kind of here's the big idea behind this. Uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, he spends the next 40 days uh, with his disciples. He, he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. And, you know, they have a totally different perspective now as he's risen. And uh, so he spends 40 days with them. And then after that, uh, we know that he ascends into heaven. But just before he leaves, he gives these important instructions. And, you know, just kind of last words, final words uh, he shares with them. He says that, you know, go back to Jerusalem. Don't do any ministry. Don't do anything until you receive this promise, which we know is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we know 10 days later, it's on the day of Pentecost. They received this promise. And so uh, we know on the day of Pentecost, we read Acts chapter 2. Uh, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And today what I want to do is, is, again, look at the reaction of those who observed the disciples receiving this promise. Just look at the reaction. Pay attention to what they're saying here. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 12. And it says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. You know, some people who, who overheard this and they saw this, the, the disciples speaking in other tongues, that they were amazed. And, and others were perplexed. And then others mocked. Because they, they mocked what they didn't understand. And that's, that's human nature. We often tend to do that. We, send, we tend to dismiss things we don't understand. And clearly that's taking place here. Some were amazed, some perplexed, some just concluded that these people were just drunk. And uh, so to their response, to their, to their confusion, this is how Peter kind of counteracts that. And he addresses the, uh, these onlookers and he shares from God's word. And that's exactly what we need to do when there's confusion we need to go to the Word of God. So here's how Peter addresses the crowd. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. So it's early in the day. Uh, but this is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What's, what's Peter saying? He said, listen guys, it, what you think this is, this isn't this, it's something else. It's this. It's, it's, what, it's what God spoke through the prophet, and it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the outpouring of God's Spirit. So that's kind of the premise for this series. We're going to take some things that are confusing in the body of Christ, confusing to some church folks, uh, confusing to people that are outside of the church, and we're going to bring some clarity to them from God's Word. I think that's a good thing to do, right, when there's confusion. Let's look to God's Word 
and see what he says about a certain thing. You know, really, it doesn't matter what we say or think. It matters what God says. Amen? Amen. All right, today we're going to talk about uh, some misconceptions concerning praise and worship. Last, last summer, I went to the eye doctor, and I got my vision checked out. And, you know, as you're, you're in that kind of space, and, you know, you got that small talk begins, uh, she asked me what I did for a living. I told her I was a pastor. She goes, do you pastor one of those hand-raising churches? <laughs> I said, yeah, I pastor one of those hand-raising churches. And it was kind of funny because she identified as a Christian, but she definitely had some confusion just by her question and the way she was talking. She had some confusion about why we lift our hands. And it's interesting because, oh my goodness, it's in God's Word, but, you know, there is confusion with people, misconceptions about praise and worship. Why do we give God praise? Why do we worship Him the way that we worship Him? And number one is real simple, all right? God asked us to do it this way. God asked for it. God asked for us to worship Him, to give Him praise. So, and I'm going to say this. When you're God, you get to call all the shots, all right? When you're God, you get to call all the shots. If He's God, He's going to call all the shots, and we're going to follow His lead. So we don't get to pick and choose what we like about God and put that into practice. Are you hearing me? Because this is what we tend to do as human nature. We tend to take what we like and we kind of discard what we dislike. But he's God or he's not. Which one is he, right? So there has to be a decision in our hearts. He's either God or he's not. And uh, he's either our God or he's just our convenient religion on a Sunday morning. That's the fact. And, this, and we need to apply this now to worship. So he's either God or he's our convenient religion on a Sunday morning. If God wanted us to come to church and juggle, juggle apples and call that worship, then that would be worship. You know why? Because he's God, and he calls the shots, not us. And it's not, well, well I'm, I'm more comfortable with this. No, you don't understand. He's God. He's God or he's not. Which one is it? He's either God or he's our convenient religion on Sunday. Let's go to Psalms 150. This is a good place to start when we're talking about praise. Psalms 150 says, praise the Lord. And by the way, in the Hebrew, that's not a suggestion. It's not even, it's a command. He's putting it forth like, listen, this is what we do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Obviously, you can see some spiritual connection to this, but he's talking about corporate worship like we're in right now. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. And, uh, you know, Psalms 150, God describes, again, this way is the way we're going to worship in a corporate setting. So follow this. Verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Remember, if someone begins to dance before the Lord in praise and you have a problem with that, you don't have a problem with them, you got a problem with God. Seriously, your problem's not with them, it's with God. You can't take this out of God's word, and it's more than one place. All right, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Well, there's just being a little bit more, they're getting a little too excited. Your problem's not with them, your problem's with God. God gets to call the shots, not you or I. Nobody makes us the praise and worship police. Praise him with the loud symbols. Praise him with the clashes. That music's too loud. Your problem's not with the worship leader. Your problem's not with the sound man. Your problem's with God. Your problem's not with a person. Your problem's with God. I mean, listen, praise him with loud symbols. Loud symbols. But I like quiet. But you're not God, and you don't get to call the shots. Let everything that has breath 
praise the Lord, and if you didn't catch it, praise the Lord. Ending with a command. All right, God gets to make the calls on worship. You and I don't. Again, he's God or he's convenient Sunday religion. Which is it going to be? Yet many of us make our own determination, and what this reveals, when we make our own determinations, how we're going to praise, how we're going to worship, it just goes to show that the praise and worship we give is more about us, and it's not about God. See, when we come to worship, we don't come to get, we come to give, and we give what God commands. Isn't it interesting? God writes a whole book called Psalms, which means songs, right? Get this, and he inspired them. He's inspiring the songs that he wants us to worship him with and how he wants us to worship him. Psalms 150, the psalmist use, uses one of, of seven Hebrew words for praise, and he, he uses the word halal. And it's an interesting word, and this is just straight from any preacher who has access to this. They can go to a lexicon. Any one of you really can do this and just look at this definition. This is pretty easy. But this is the word halal. This is what it means. This is how it's translated. To shine, to flash forth light, to praise, to boast, be boastful, make a boast, glory, make one boast, straight out of it. I'm not making this up. To make a fool of, make it to a fool, to act madly, act like a madman. It's halal. Go, to, go there today and check it out yourself. That sounds more like Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I'm just saying, there's, there's, this word seems to describe Saturday at a football game rather than church on Sunday. Well, pastor, I just don't praise that way. But that's the problem. You praise your way. God says praise his way. God says praise his way. It's not your way, it's his way. Number two, praise and worship is our purpose. Not, not just some of us, it's all of us. It's our purpose. We are created to give God praise and to worship him. You know, preaching God's word, as we're doing here today, is, is great fellowship that we'll have. It's important. But the main reason we come together as a church on a Sunday morning is not for Sunday school, not for classes, it's to worship God. It is the, that's why we call it a worship service or a worship experience. But, you know, you say, well, I, not in this church. In this church, it's a worship service. It's a worship experience. Primary, number one, we come to worship God. I mean, that's the purpose why we're here this morning. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may, look at this, proclaim. Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Just as we proclaim the gospel, we should be proclaiming his praise. God's, if God's called you out of darkness, you've got a reason to praise him, amen? amen. If God saved you, you've got a reason to praise him. So God called you, you are called to proclaim his praises. In a corporate setting of, of worshipers like we're here today, we are called here to give God praise. We're not called here to come check our box off, and now I get to go do some good stuff. Can I tell you, if that's your attitude, it reveals your heart. And that's why, that's why worship can be so unfulfilling. Like, can we just get over with this? Can we just lay into playing here? Can he just get up there and start preaching so, so I can go? See, you got, it all, you got religion is what you got. You don't got a relationship with God. You say, well, that's kind of hard. I'm just, I'm telling you as it is. Because if he called you out of darkness, if he saved you from your sins, you got a reason to praise him, amen? Number three, we worship God just for who he is. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, because if you can't get this one, then you can't get any of them, right? We worship God just for who he is because he's God. 
He's God. That's what we do. We worship him because he's God. That's the main reason why we come. We, just because he's God. All right, let's go on. Number four, uh, we praise God for what he's done. We praise God for what he's done. You know, sometimes we're very critical of the way other people praise. I'm just saying this again. You're, no one here is the praise and worship police. All you have to do when it comes to worship is to worship him and praise him from your heart, from the genuineness of your heart, and you don't need to worry about anyone else. Listen, rather than being skeptical or critical, maybe we should stop and think about where that person's been, what they've experienced. Let me give you an example of the Bible. The Pharisees were really critical of the way a prostitute worshipped Jesus. You remember the story that Jesus and his disciples are invited guests to a dinner party, the reclining at the table, prostitute comes in, begins to cry and to wash his feet, and begins to, she dries her, her his uh, feet with her, her hair. And, you know, the Pharisees snicker. They snicker and they reason within themselves. If this man was really a prophet, then he would know what kind of woman's touching him. He would know this woman who's going over the top with this. You know, what, you know this is just, this is ridiculous. Why, why would he allow this? This is showy. This is performance. What, how does Jesus respond to this scrutiny? Luke 7, 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. He's not skipping over this, right? She got a lot of them. All right? Have been forgiven, praise God. They've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Can it just be that maybe someone is exuberant in their praise because they've been given, forgiven so much? Rather than being critical, shouldn't we just honor that and assume that? Why is it in this world we always assume the worst? That's part of the problem we have in this country. We always assume the worst. Why can't we assume what's right, what's good? That maybe someone just had a one heck of a week and, they, they, and God met them in an incredible way and they're just ready to give God praise. Why can't we just assume that? I'll tell you why, because we're more concentrated on someone other than God. We're concentrated on ourselves. See, some of you, some of us have forgotten how much God's forgiven us, how much he's forgiven us. And that's why we should give him praise. That's our duty. That's our calling here today. Our worship will reflect the amount of forgiveness. All right, there are some people, they, they just can't help themselves. And I don't mean they lose self-control. I just mean they're happy. They're happy because they understand where they were going, where they were destined for, and where God saved them, and where God's brought them to, where he's taken them to. It's, it's, it's just perspective, and we shouldn't be offended by that. Listen, when someone suicidal tendencies, they're going to cash in, they're going to clock out, they've given up, but God steps in, he intervenes. They've got a reason to celebrate, amen? When someone has their marriage restored, they've got a reason to celebrate. When someone experiences healing, they've got a reason to celebrate. When someone is set free from bondage and addiction, they have a reason to celebrate. Why should we be critical of that? Because you may not even know that's what has happened in their life. That's what they're going through. Why would we be so critical of that? Why are we critical for someone who is worshiping God, praising Him more biblically than ourselves? I'm sorry, church. I just got. Sometimes I question this. Have we ever really touched the hem of his garment ourselves? Have we ourselves really had to, to fight and to scrape to get to Jesus ourselves in our situation and just get a hold of him? 
See, I question whether we have or not, many of us. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read this from the Message Bible. And it says this in uh, verse 37. Right at the crest where Mount of Olives begins its descent, the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise. Over the, all the mighty works they had witnessed, blessed is he who comes in the, in, blessed is he who comes, the king in God's name, all's well in heaven, glory in the high places. Some Pharisees from the crowd told him, told Jesus, teacher, get your disciples under control. But he said, if they keep quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. See, we should never, ever be in that position that we say they need to get themselves under control. I'm just saying, it's very, listen, you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm not talking about people that are causing such distractions and disruptions that it's obvious. I'm just saying, nine out of ten times, people that are just genuine in their praise, a little bit more exuberant for you, kind of puts you uneasy because maybe it kind of exposes some complacency in this area. You know, at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, uh, outside the Marine Corps Air, Air Station, New River, maybe some of you might have been there, there's, there's this sign, pardon our noise, right? It's the sound of freedom. Shouldn't that be in our church? Shouldn't it really be? Listen, pardon our noise, it's Jesus has set me free. See, when we don't hear that, maybe I just, we have to assume, well, maybe Jesus hasn't set us free then. I mean, I just have to assume that. When, when I don't hear the sound of freedom, freedom, it bothers me. You can have a nasty old church person, no, no offense to anyone, listen to me though, and you can have someone who gets radically saved their life changed, and their praise is completely different. And honestly, that person who's been in church a long time needs to be more like that person who's had their life touched by God. We, we lose something. We get complacent. It's human nature. You've got to fight back. You've got to remember our purpose. Our purpose is to give God praise. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed, amen? You'll be free to give God praise. You'll be free to worship Him. You'll be free to live for Him. You'll be free to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so I gave you four reasons why we, we give God praise and we worship Him. I want to give you four reasons now why when we praise God, what it does for us or how it affects us. Okay, worship, number one, worship changes everything. Worship changes everything. When you're facing a dark moment, if you haven't, you will. You're gonna, we're going to face, all of us are going to face dark times. Rather than rolling over, rather than crying, rather than giving up, rather than complaining, that's a great time for us to worship. That's a great time for us to take in the darkness. You say, well, God's Word, it's so important. Yes, it is, but it's so important to put it into practice. Not just to know it, not just to be able to quote it, but I'm telling you, when you worship God in a dark hour, things change. I mean, you can go out through the Word of God, situation after situation, people going through trials, people going through darkness, facing calamity. They worship God, and God brings deliverance. He brings healing. Worship gives us an opportunity to experience God personally in that time. That is the most intimate time you'll ever have with God is in those, we think it's, oh, it's when we're on the mountaintop. No, it's when we're in the valley. It's when we're in darkness. You really understand God's nature and his character. You really find that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. That's when you discover, and that's the best time to worship God. When you begin to worship God at a difficult time, this is what happens. When difficulty hits you, check this out. 
this is what takes place, that the problem is big. The problem is huge. You're, you're, you're in conflict, you're, whatever, you're facing trials. The problem's big, and God is small. What you need to do, and worship does this, it kind of flip-flops it back, puts it all back in perspective, and God in the right place. So what happens is when we get to, to worship him, again, that problem gets smaller. We exalt him, we praise him. That, that problem just gets smaller and smaller, and God gets his rightful place right back at the top. It's amazing how we'll go into a situation, and maybe you've never done this. I recommend you do this. And listen, today with this, this wonderful technology that we have with, with uh, smart devices and, and phones where you can create your own playlist. I'm, I'm just saying, if life hits you, go to a room, get by yourself, turn on some worship music, and just begin to worship God. So that sounds foolish. That's why it don't work for you. I'm just telling you, get your mind right. You'll get in the right place. You'll get the right perspective if you get in God's presence. Why, why try to do this on your own? How does that work for you so far? Why not just try it God's way? Why not worship Him? Why not trust Him? All right. Worship changes our perspective because it, it puts God back in the right position. And that's where we have trust and where we have hope. Look at Psalms 18, verse 3. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and He saved me from my enemies. So, Listen, God is worthy of our place, but the psalmist says this, in my darkness, that's, that's when my enemies were coming at me. I praised God, and there was deliverance, there was freedom. I'm just saying, worship changes these situations. The Bible is just full of them. Take some time, think, about, think about the apostles in the, in the prison, begin to worship in chains. I mean, you can just go throughout the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, all these situations where people are facing darkness and begin to worship God, and God brings them freedom. I'll give you an example of the Old Testament. Old Testament is a pattern or a picture of things, correct? You, you have these, these laws, you have rules, but the principle, the spiritual purposes is often fulfilled in the New Testament. And Ezekiel 46, 9, probably one of these verses you probably never really thought about, but it shows something interesting here. Ezekiel 46, 9, but when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave the south gateway. And those who enter through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. What are you, what are you trying to say? Listen, when you come into God's presence, you should not be the same. You should be changed. I mean, that's the principle here. We can, when you have interaction with the Holy Spirit, there should be change in your life. When you come to worship God, when you come to get into his presence, I mean, think about this. Jesus, we have, when, when we came into contact with Jesus when he's here on earth, he did incredible things. Well, we have a representative called the Holy Spirit, and he's not some watered-down version of Jesus. He's a co-equal member of the Godhead, and he's with us. Why should we expect anything less? There's a principle here. I'm just telling you, we should really, we should never come into church thinking we're just going to file in and file out and never have any change in our life, any challenge in our life, any breakthrough in our life, any peace in our life. There are circumstances that are going to be beyond our control, but in the midst of those circumstances, church, we can have breakthrough. Get into his presence. See, church, too many, too many of us have become satisfied with just coming to church and not experiencing change. Don't ever do that. That's, that's, that's so dangerous. 
Don't ever come to church. Don't ever come into an experience where you're worshiping God and not, and not seek after change in your life. John 4, 23, this is what Jesus said, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. What's God looking for? He's looking for, He's not looking for performance. He's looking for some authenticity. See, what we'll do is we'll throw up a performance. We'll throw up a religious facade. But God's trying to break through. God's trying to reach you. God's trying to minister to you. God's trying to connect with you. You know, this, this time that we have together is, is fellowship. It's konanee. It's time where we come together at God's presence. We should, listen, you should feel God's presence at home when you're worshiping, but you should feel it here in this place because there is a collection of God's saints. You know, this is, by the way, a snapshot of heaven. This should be a snapshot of heaven. There should be that same type of fellowship when God's people come together. They're not divided. They're not arguing about politics. They're not worried about this. They're not worried about that. They just come simply to worship God and praise Him. That collection, that community, that fellowship is so important. And I think we miss that because we just, we kind of file in. We file out, well, I did church today. It was good. Yeah, but did you touch the hem of His garment? Did you get in contact with God? See, again, I'm just, I'm, it's a shame. It's a shame when Saturday looks more like church than Sunday. Worship changes everything. Number two, worship is not based on feelings. It's a choice. Some people, wait, in order for me to dance, the Holy Spirit's got to come on me. No, he don't. You know, it's a choice. Praise, when you went through that first chapter, when we went through uh, Psalms 150 in that first point, those are all by choice. Those are, all by, those, are, those are worship positions, praise positions that we take. And you don't have to feel like it. I'm just saying, I'm, again, we're not looking for, for, I'm not looking for a performance. I'm just looking for something genuine. Something genuine that will reflect your heart. What's going on inside here? What are you experiencing with God? And if this is it, we got some work to do, all right? Seriously, we got some work to do. But my feeling is that some of you are afraid and then some, well, I don't want to do the wrong thing. Just worship God with an authentic heart. You can't wait to give God praise. You can't worship Him when everything's just right for you. Well, when they sing my song, well, when they sing the songs that I want them to sing, the way I want them to sing, then you are coming to church for the wrong reason. Seriously. You don't worship God because of the way you feel. You worship God. It's a choice. It's a, worship is a choice. Praise is a choice. Habakkuk 3.17. Even though, look at this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as deer, able to tread upon the heights. What's, the psalm of, or what's Habakkuk saying? When nothing's going right, I'm going to praise him. Listen, I, have, I don't have any reason to praise him. Things are going wrong, but I'm going to choose to praise him. Things may not be the way I like right now, but I choose to praise him. Life is difficult. I choose to praise him. What, what is the outcome of that? Look what the sovereign Lord does. He gives you strength. He makes you as sure-footed as deer. One version says he gives you hindquarters, right? I'm just saying, why does, why does he give us that, that, that position? Why would he give us hindquarters? Well, think about deer in that area and, and and goats and you know they 
they have that rocky terrain, when they have uh, predators and different things or just trying to get to a different place, a different, to rise above, God gives that animal that strength to be able to climb up those rocks. And, you know, I'm just saying that, that when we need to ascend, when we need to get above things, see, when we give God our worship, when we choose to worship him, he gives us strength, supernatural strength. I'm just saying this, maybe, just maybe, when you're going through a time and a struggle, worship him, you might see the strength of God come into your being. Hebrews 13, 15. I'm getting close. Hang with me. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen, continually, not circumstantially. Continually. It's a continual thing. No one said it would be easy. No one said it's going to be easy. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise. Well, I just, man, life hit me. Things stink right now. I lost this. I don't have that. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's not convenient. It's never convenient. If, if church is convenient, if worship is convenient, you've missed it. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in the church, you have missed it. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a choice. You've come to give God praise and glory no matter what because he's just God and he's worthy. Make a choice to worship God. Bring a sacrifice of praise because God alone is worthy of your praise. Number three, God, uh, worship God with everything we have. With everything we have. How many of you have had children and they played sports and, you know, they want to give up and they want to quit? No, you're not. You're going to stay with it. You're going to complete this to the end. Why don't we approach that, our, that, that same approach to God ourselves? We want them to be committed. We want them to give everything. Well, why don't we give everything? We just give what's convenient, what I feel like. A life, a life of worship. Listen, a, and listen, I know, some, I know worship is more than just this. I understand that. It's a life. It's a lifestyle of praise and worship. But this is important, very important. But can I a life of worship requires you to be all in. You can't be halfway in. That's not a life of, that's not a sacrifice. It's not, you're not giving your life to Jesus. You're just giving part of it what you're comfortable with. See, worship requires us to go all in. Praise requires a full commitment. Church, I, I think we've get, or we're getting away from our reasons. I think we're getting away from our reasons for being here even. Preaching is important. Yes, prayer is important. But this is a worship service. This is where we give God praise. We give him glory. You don't have to wait for the right song. It doesn't have to be the right tempo. We can be off. We can be off key, whatever. It doesn't matter. We've come to give him praise. Rather than scrutinizing what we do wrong, why don't we just worship him? That if we as a congregation will worship and praise as we should and not worry about whether these guys are doing a good job or not, and they are, in my opinion, always. But can I tell you what? That you'll improve their worship and their ability to lead. See, it's that mutual encouragement that takes place where the Bible talks about our faith encouraging one another. I want to look at uh, Mark chapter 12, verse, verse 30. Just all in. We have to be all in. Mark 12, 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all. All your heart. Not some of it. Not with what you're okay with, because he's not God then. All your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. You say, oh, that sounds like law. That's what Jesus said. This is life. It's not law. It's life. When you have these things in order, God gives you life, abundant life. So we need to be all in when it comes to praise and worship. You should be all in in everything as it pertains to your relationship with God. Number four, 
Worship expecting God to respond. Always, listen, that's faith. Faith has an expectancy. I mean, worship should reflect that as well. When, when you come in to, to worship, I hope you're not just singing songs. I, I, I pray that your perspective is, I'm coming to give God glory to praise Him, and He hears me, and He responds then. If not, may I suggest to you that perspective needs to change. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. I mean, it's, it's what He says, you draw near to me, I'll get close to you. See, God created us for this purpose of worship, and worship brings us closer to God. Just worship God with an expectancy that I'm going to be close to him. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to, I'm going to experience his presence. Every person worships something because that's what we were created for. We are created for worship. Every one of us. You say, well, I'm not a person who worships. You are a worshiper. I guarantee you. If you'll give me your life, show me what you do. You worship someone or something. Every one of us are worshiping something. You can't get past that. You know, we call it habits. We call it this. We call it that. But we worship something. Give it all kinds of different names. See, every person worships something or someone. We all have someone or something we give our adoration to. We give our energy to, our money to, our passion. It might be ourselves. See, our worship belongs to God. Worship, we worship. What we worship, we become obsessed with. We do. We become obsessed with it. And whatever we become obsessed with, we get intimate with. We get close to it. And whatever we get intimate with, we become. See, the closer we get to Jesus the more we become like him and less like ourselves. And isn't that the goal? Isn't that the reason why Holy Spirit dwells in us? It's not just to take up space. It's not just to be, hey, I'm here hanging out. No, he's there, there, yes, present, but there to transform us, to be more like Jesus. I've used this quote before by Louis Giglio, and he says this, think of it this way. Worship is simply about value. It's about value, and it is because it's, it's worth Worship, actually, when you come down to the breakdown, is worth, worthiness. See, God alone is worthy of our worship, amen? So worship is simply about value. The simplest definition I could give is this. Worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response to what we value most. That's why worship is that thing we all do. It's what we all are, are all about on any given day. Because worship is about saying, this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever, is what matters to me most. It's the thing I put first in my life. The, that thing might be a relationship, a dream, friends, status, stuff, a name, some kind of pleasure. Whatever name you put on it, this thing or person is what you've concluded in your heart is worth most to you. And whatever is worth most to you, you guessed it what you worship. Worship tells you what we value most. As a result, worship determines our actions, becoming the driving force for all we do. Some of us attend the church on the corner, professing to worship the living God above all. Others who rarely step inside the church doors would say worship isn't part of their lives because they aren't religious. But everybody has an altar, and every altar has a throne. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, your loyalty, and at the end of the trail, you'll find a throne, and whatever and whoever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. 
We may say we value this thing or that thing more than any other, but the volume of our actions speaks louder than our words. In the end, our worship is more about what we do than what we say. See, what a powerful scripture. And it causes us to pause, and it causes us to be honest. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's good. I hope it did. And if it didn't, I, maybe I should read it again, read it slower. Because that's the whole part. It's to get you uncomfortable. Because we should all be uncomfortable. Because here's why we're humans, and we tend to get complacent. We tend to get lazy. We tend to just kind of hit cruise control. But I'm just telling you, now more than other church, we, we, ne- we don't need complacency in our life and our relationship with that. We need to be on fire for him and love him. Follow him, serve him, trust him, worship him. I'm telling you this, if, if you'll come in here and you'll, and just as simple as this, what does it matter? Maybe, just maybe, someone walks through those doors and you, you are a person that's giving God praise and glory and you're just loving on the Lord and you say, well, what if, if we're too loud or this and that might scare people? Maybe, just maybe, they'll hear the sound of freedom. Maybe, just maybe, they won't see dead religion, they'll see something alive, something real, something that can say, well, you know what? Those people are different because God's among them. God's presence is there. I can sense something different. It's not a show. It's not a performance. But there's something real. There's something genuine there. And I need that in life. Maybe, just maybe, God can use that for his glory. We're called to be a people who makes a choice in this building and outside of this building to give praise and to worship God. And it's a lifestyle. It's not just something we do on a Sunday morning. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If you are looking for a church home, I want to encourage you to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Or join us Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for our family night. We have ministry opportunities for all ages, children, youth, and adults. Holt Assembly of God is located at 543rd Avenue in Holt, Florida. If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.holtag.org, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Our phone number is 850-537-8351. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, may God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.